The word courage comes from the French word cur, and cur means heart. And courage is found when we are leaning into the things that our heart is calling us toward, never letting our mind talk us out of something that our heart knows to be true. And when our heart is all in on something and we are 100% committed with full conviction, then it doesn't matter what's happening around us. These things aren't happening to us anymore. They are happening for us. They are strengthening our courage, just like that oak. And those winds are building a stress wood that wouldn't be possible without the turbulence. In fact, if a tree doesn't have wind, it will die. And if a person doesn't have opposition, it will also sit around in a lazy way and just die on the couch. And so that courage is about heart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flow Over Fear podcast, where it is our mission to help you to rise above fear and realize your ultimate potential in leadership and life. I'm your host, Adam Hill, and it is my goal to share with you the human side of high performance. My guests share their experience with fear, anxiety, struggle, challenge, and most importantly, despite all of it, how they rose above it to achieve incredible results. So if you're ready to rise up, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Flow Over Fear. Thank you for being here. I have a great guest today, and I want to start by uh, with a little bit of a, a declaration that came right from my guest's bio. At the end of the day, know this. Andrew Anderson will take a stand for your greatness more than you will stand for your own limitations. I thought that was really, really powerful because everybody yearns to have at least one person in their life who believes in them. And they can do what they say that they can do, who believes that they can be the person that they want to be. And Andrew is that person. Andrew Anderson is a number one international best-selling author, a speaker, a coach, helping individuals to break through their limiting beliefs, transform their lives and businesses, and find lasting freedom. With a background in education and mission work, Andrew has taken his years of experience as a teacher, expert, and NLP master practitioner to help hundreds of people break through their limiting beliefs and become the people that they desire to be. He's a husband and a father of six children. Six children. Seven. That's a pod. That, seven. We seven added children. another in the last five weeks, Adam. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Congratulations. Yes. Um, Man, we're going to have to dig into that. That's probably a podcast in and of itself, in and of by itself. the way. That's later. I'm sorry to throw that wrench in, but we got to let people know that there are seven kids in my household. That's incredible. Well, we, yeah, we're, we're going to dig in a little bit to that because yeah. there's a lot of a lot of fear and, and flow around that. That's right. But um, uh, yeah, your best his best-selling book, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World, can be found wherever books are sold. Uh, Andrew, thank you so, so much for being here. I'm excited about this conversation. You're welcome. Has anyone ever thrown off your introduction like I did today? <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all good because it just gets all monotone. I just get into my own head. So anytime you speak in there, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Conversation time. That's so right. I appreciate hopefully, it. <laughs> hopefully we can interrupt the pattern of what people are doing today and give them something new that that they're looking for. That's a, Well, that's a great segue into into something I did want to talk about because you're an NLP master practitioner, which sure. is pretty cool. I know Tony Robbins is into that stuff and, and there's a, it's, it's a pretty powerful thing and breaking a pattern is, is yeah. part of it. Um, can you kind of, uh, uh, let people know what that is and, and how that might help people in terms of becoming their best self? Yeah. I mean, we drive home the same way every single day. We brush our teeth the same way every single day. I love to ask my clients, which way do you put your belt on? They don't even think about it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun thing to, to consider. You don't even know, Adam, do you? Is it no, just I have no right clue. <laughs> but we, we get in these patterns and they're not just behavioral patterns, they're thought patterns, they're belief patterns, they're emotional patterns. And what we all need if we want true transformation is we, we have to interrupt that pattern so we can make new choices. And you know, at, at the essence, that's what I love to see happen for people when I get to work with them. That's fantastic. So if you want transformation, you need to interrupt the patterns of what you're doing yeah. right now. So well said. Yeah. Uh, and and so how, you know, going back it, into your history, I want to kind of, you know, get get into younger Andrew and see what, right. how, how you became the person you did. Uh, what, you know, when you were, you know, from your childhood or younger days, what got you into wanting to help people in the way that you are? 
Yeah, I, I've got two things that I talk about my my dad when people say, tell me about your dad. There's two words that come to mind. Number one is obedience. Like mm-hmm. that man, when he knows something is right, he will do whatever it takes to to live into that. He is he he will obey, whether that's God's word or something that he just feels convicted by. Like he is so obedient. And then the second word that I use to describe him is service. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun story. I'm 22 years old. I'm uh, coming back home to see my parents while I'm at college. And there's this random stranger in the backyard doing some kind of work. And I asked my mom, I said, who is that? She said, I don't know. I woke up and dad was at work and I called him and he found a homeless man and he's building us a fire pit in the backyard. And my dad has always been someone that is looking to serve others and finding that person in need. And so I, you know, I've been blessed to have parents. My mom's that way as well, just not as risky, but just parents that taught me to serve and to find people that need help. And then once you know, like I, I'm cut from the same mold as my dad. I, once I know, I, I have to obey. I, I got to do it. I, I can't mm-hmm. stand before myself or my maker and just say like, no, I, I didn't want to. I don't have that in me. So that's sure. that's kind of how I grew up. Yeah. So that did that because uh, there, there's a lot of people that might think that uh, even though they you might want to help somebody, right? There's there's a mm-hmm. lot of discomfort in that. There's even this discomfort of reaching out and, and asking someone if they want to build a fireplace in your backyard. So there's a lot <laughs> of courage that comes into that. Uh, yeah. So so that was just developed. Was that just developed by watching your dad do those kinds of things and and you just kind of picked it up and how does it feel to do it now? Yeah. So definitely through watching and and, and participating, right? We're on a scout outing. And instead of giving the man money, my dad puts him in the the, uh, the, uh, minivan, the Dodge Caravan, puts him in the minivan. We go to the grocery store, you know, and we're buying this man food. And so it wasn't just watching him, it was doing it with him. And now Mm -hmm. that that I, I get to do that, my dad has become my biggest book fan. And we were at my daughter's track meet a week ago. And he said, Andrew, I texted over a hundred people and told them to buy your book. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, my dad is, he's returning the the favor is he, you know, I put up with him doing crazy things uh, when we were kids. Yeah. So it, it feels awesome. It's awesome to, to be able to serve and, and to carry on that legacy that my parents, you know, gave to me. Yeah. And that took you into some mission work too. You were yeah. in France, Belgium, that kind of thing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how that service led to where you're at today? Oh my goodness. Just phenomenal. I mean, I remember being a new realtor about nine, 10 years ago and people would say, is it hard to like, you know, talk to people and knock on doors and hold open houses? And, and I said, no, I, I, talk to people in French about Jesus. And if you can (laughs) care about someone enough to give them something that you believe will change their life, everyone needs a house. Like whether you, you know, believe in Jesus or not, I think everyone needs Jesus, but everyone needs a house. That's easy. It's easy to, to, to sell real estate. So that just built an incredible foundation for me to, to find other people's needs and to come from a place of curiosity and contribution to see what I might be able to give to them that would you know help them in in their life journey. Yeah. So you've been in in real estate. You've been in mission, uh, you know, mission service and things like that, where you are in front of people and maybe even having difficult conversations or mm-hmm. or not maybe not difficult, but uh, uh, at least uh, it, it, there's a fear of rejection there. Oh yeah. Was that so? Is that something? I mean, was that a muscle that you had to build, or, or were you ever feeling like there was some kind of uh, uh, difficulty in doing that? Or was the message just strong enough? No, I mean, that fear started when I was a little boy who was Mm. holding on to baby fat up until puberty. And I'm 13 years old in seventh grade and boys have girlfriends and I'm still chubby. I played fullback. If you know anything about football, like this guy right here, like I'm not built like a fullback. I'm, I'm maybe five, eight and three quarters. I'm like a buck 40. But as a little boy, I was a full, I was a chubby little boy. And so Mm -hmm. I had a lot of insecurities and fears about myself and, and my abilities. And I was a very strong, I still am introvert Mm -hmm. who has learned extroversion skills. So I trick people, but I have always from, from uh, as a little boy struggled with that until I learned these powerful principles that I found in, you know, later 
late twenties for the last you know decade that I've been able to apply and now help other people with as well. So for, for the majority of my life, it, it was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can certainly relate to that introversion piece and, and a lot of that growing, growing up. I mean, I had a lot of social anxiety and so there's a lot of relatability there and that translated for me into a lot of, you know, this fear of rejection, fear of being rejected by, by others. And, uh, and of course that led into adulthood where it was just like, yeah, getting into sales and having to knock on doors mm-hmm. and doing those kinds of things was always scary. Yeah. Um, so how, uh, uh, so you, you, you found a number of tools that could help you through that. And I guess before getting into that, did that, that, uh, uh, you know, that, that insecurity that you might've had, did that take you into high school, college or anything like that? Or was it, uh, was there some instance that you were able to get over it? Well, I, I tell the story in the book about being in ninth grade. Uh, mm-hmm. that was high school. Some junior highs go seventh or nine, but for me, it was high school. And my friends were in eighth grade still at the, at the middle school. And I played football and I didn't like it. I didn't mesh. Like I'm a high sensitive and I didn't mesh with like the meatheads and like the guys that talk dirty and just all the jokes. Like I just, I never fit in. Mm-hmm. but I was on the football team and they would all sit together at lunch and I'd had enough. So what I would do is I would just kind of walk around pretending like I was going somewhere. So, I, you know, like I was on a mission, <laughs> but <laughs> I remember this one day going into the stall of the boys bathroom and closing that cold metal maroon door, sliding that stainless steel lock into place. And I remember standing up on top of the toilet, not wanting anyone to see that I was in there by myself and just weeping, Mm. feeling so alone, feeling so, you know, you know, just like, like a reject, not having any friends or anyone to, to really mesh with. And at 14 years old, that is not the kind of place that you want to be as you're growing into this adolescence. And so that, that was my dark night of my teenage soul. Hey everyone, I interrupt this program to introduce you to an amazing adventure. Do you want to embrace fear and get clarity and conviction on your goals? How would you like to join me in an epic Colorado adventure where we will hike a famed 14,000 foot peak, camp under the stars, mastermind around the campfire, and build lifelong friendships? I'm partnering with Belay Expeditions to create a retreat that will not only rejuvenate your soul, but level up your life. We will get clarity on your three C's dream, create a roadmap to your dreams, and build the conviction that you need to pursue them with confidence. Join me at the top of the world, September 14th through the 17th. Visit belayexpeditions.com slash retreats and click on my pretty face to sign up. Space is limited, so sign up now. So that that moment of kind of sitting in the the boys' bathroom and all all that, or those moments... um, Mm -hmm. How did you, how were you able to, was that your high school experience? Did you, were you able to transcend that a bit or, or, or move through it? You mentioned you had some tools that you, you leaned into. Yeah. So, you know, we, we talk about this hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, and Mm -hmm. this is when the mentors show up, right? This is when someone enters your life that you don't expect. And I was actually able to, uh, to have a great mentor that helped me identify my life mission. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, again, I can't give away all the secrets. You got to read the book to get the full story. But this sure. is where I truly learned my, my purpose in life. And I felt like I actually knew why I was here on this planet. And those words are the same today as they were back then, 24 years mm-hmm. ago. And I recognize that my life mission is to bless my brothers and sisters who I believe to be God's children, to live a higher level of spiritual strength and to influence as many as possible. So when you see that, that book title, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Will, you recognize there's a connection with my life mission. And once I understood that mission, it helped me begin to look outside myself and to, to begin mm-hmm. doing the things I'd seen my parents do and, and to serve and, and, and to find others that needed help. And from that sophomore year, after that freshman year, from sophomore year through the end of high school, I began to attract girls, not because I was going through puberty and good looking, but because 
I actually, I, I just started tracking these girls that were struggling, that had just stupid boyfriends that had been, you know, abused or just taken advantage of and made, and I, I started to like become like this teenage boy counselor. <laughs> and that was really the genesis of me, uh, you know, living out this life mission and, and helping people find that spiritual strength. And it continues today. They're not teenage girls anymore. They're, they're women and mothers and, and, and everyone, everyone in, in that spectrum that's, that's struggling to find that needed strength. Yeah. And what was it about this mentor that you had? What, what, it, what attracted you to this person and how did they help you to navigate that? Absolutely. Well, this is a pretty unique uh, position within, within the church I attend. We, we have the opportunity uh, to, to go to this, this gentleman and to receive um, just very clear and concise uh, words to help guide you in your life. And it's called mm -hmm. a, a blessing. And, you know, in the Bible, like there were fathers that gave blessings and all of these things and to, to help you recognize and many cultures still do this today. And, and we do it within our church. And, and, uh, I, I have that blessing typed out and written and I carry it with me to this day of these things that he was able to see in me that, that I believe came from God and, and really just a, a course and a direction, a compass for my life. So it was someone that, uh, my, my siblings, my older siblings had, had trusted as well. And someone that my parents had a, uh, a good relationship with. And so I was able to receive like personal scripture for me to live my life by. That's incredible. So this, this person was basically saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. Right. And you were, you were able to, uh, and that, and that's so powerful because I hear that a lot in our, in, mm -hmm. in, in a lot of the interviews I do, regardless, whether, whether it's, through a mentor at a church or a mentor yeah. in a business or anything like that, it, it always comes into, you know, we have these communities and we find these people who have what we want. And then right. we, we, uh, we're able to receive the, the blessing that you got, but yeah. in, in some way that, uh, um, that inspires us to become our best version. And, uh, and that started a transformation, obviously, mm -hmm. in you. Um, and, uh, and so you, so kind of fast forwarding a little bit to your sure. book, because you, you, you mentioned the strength of the oak strength of the willow. What is yeah. it about the oak in the willow in particular that, uh, the, that, and, and what did that, what does that strength mean? Absolutely. So I've had a lot of incredible coaches and we could call that, that gentleman when I was 14 years old, my first real coach, I'd had athletic yeah. coaches my entire life, but one of my coaches in my, you know, mid twenties uh, said to me, well, it was late twenties. He said to me, Andrew, you have an oak like strength. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know what that means. And he said, you know, the oak is one of the longest living, one of the strongest, one of the hardest woods of all you know trees. And he said, there's this other strength inside you that sometimes you forget about. And it's the strength of the willow. Mm -hmm. The oak won't bend and will not break in a storm. And a willow will bend and it is flexible and it allows the wind to pass through and it's graceful and it's compassionate and it, it doesn't have to work too hard. And if, and if the if branches do fall off, they go right in the ground and they're planted and can grow a new tree immediately. Hmm. And so he helped me identify the ability to pull out this other strength, this complementary, not competitive strength of the willow and it wasn't like this huge revelation that I spent all this time writing about and thinking about. It was like one conversation. And I was like, awesome. Right. And then the book came years later, but it was something that he saw in me again, that I was not able to see in myself. Well, that's, that's, um, I mean, those, sometimes we hear those things when we're, when we need them most and maybe they don't apply until later. We don't use them until later, but, uh, but just single sentences sometimes can change change our lives. Yeah. It's it's pretty pretty impressive, pretty incredible. Um, and uh, so, kind of tell tell us about the book a little bit. So mm -hmm. it's called Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, and um, and in it, uh, you do you, do you kind of share some stories from your own life, some parables, things like that. How how does what what is it like in there? Yeah. Well, let's start with the genesis of of, of the book. I finished my master's degree in education. I'd been a teacher for six years prior to uh, going into real estate and then in the past nine years of coaching. Uh, I, I, uh, I, st I stood in the Virgin River 
in Zion National Park in Southern Utah. Have you ever been there? I've been to Zion. I don't, I've never been where the, okay. at the Virgin well, River though. Yeah. Well, Adam, I mean, this, this is, this is incredible. If you've been to Zion, then you, you recognize that there's something incredible about this landscape. And I'd never <laughs> been there before until the end of January, 2020. And I'm looking up at this rock wall and it's just the most gorgeous red. It, unlike anything you can see anywhere in the world. And it goes up for hundreds of feet. And I had this moment where I was experiencing the, just the majesty of this creation that you know is here in front of me. And I, I just felt overwhelmed by its strength. Yeah. And it brought a tear to my eye. And I'm like, I was having a moment. And then the words came into my mind and heart, Andrew, this is a rock. Imagine what will happen when you fulfill the measure of your creation. Mm-hmm. Imagine the experiences that people can have when you are doing what you are called to do. And then mm-hmm. immediately, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow came to mind, and I knew I needed to write this book, and I needed to share my journey, and I needed to help people recognize these strengths that are within them and share my client's stories and, and the principles of how we get there. And so it was not like, oh, I want to write this book. When I finished that master's degree, I said, I'm never writing anything ever again. <laughs> I, 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 can I, <laughs> I, I coined myself. I, I am a non-writer. I will speak. I will teach. I will train. I will preach. I will sell, but I will not write. And so it mm-hmm. took an act of God to get me to write the book. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's amazing when you, when you say that a lot of things come to mind because, you know, we put ourselves in this environment and a lot of times we get, we get, you know, dragged into the day to day where we just like get immersed in what we're doing in, in, and where we have to be, what we want to do, you know, where we've been, all this kind of stuff and, and all of these anxieties, but you, but when we put the, put ourselves in this environment of beauty, of peace, of like just wonder, our minds just suddenly open to yeah. you know to those kinds of moments where that inspiration comes and i love that i love that it came to you while you were at such a place of majesty and right. um and I, i'm with you because I, I i finished college i never wanted to write again in my life either <laughs> i i'm here i'm with you yeah. um so uh so yeah keep uh please uh let us know how how uh uh so once you started writing the book what 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 was uh what did you want it to be about? What did you want to convey to people? I had no idea. <laughs> and, and that's what's so awesome. Like, and this is my, this is my life. I, I feel convicted to do something, right? And I've got this obedient heart that my dad helped me identify and, and, and live into. It's like, okay, you got to write this book. I'm like, I don't know how to write a book. And, and mm-hmm. so I, what I did is I just sat down in the early morning on the couch before anyone woke up at my house. And I was literally just typing things that, that were coming to me. And it starts with this story of me being nine years old and getting grounded for being the accomplice of a, of a bully incident on the playground. And then mm-hmm. I likened that grounding, getting grounded to me, being grounded as a 28-year-old young man living in my parents' basement, going through a divorce, having $9 in my bank account. So what mm-hmm. happened was... I learned that just like when I'm speaking or teaching or training, when I open up my mouth or open up my computer and open up that page, and if I start writing and I have that desire and I know what I need to do, then the words would come. And sometimes they came easier and sometimes they came harder. But I just, I I knew there was a book. I didn't know what it was. And I just started. And in that starting and in that commitment, things started to, thank goodness, come together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what, what, uh, what came from it? What did you, uh, what, what is, what is kind of the, the broad strokes of, of the book? What's it about? Yeah. So let's take this analogy of an oak for a moment. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes an oak so strong, able to endure so many storms? They can live for thousands of years. We use them all. Like you look around, oak is one of the most used woods in all of carpentry, Right. And right. the, the thing that an oak tree does before anything else is it sends a taproot down, a vertical taproot, and it will go until it gets to a source of water. And it won't start growing lateral roots until it has that taproot connected to its source of water. Mm-hmm. And so 
I use this analogy of my life mission that I had, you know, forgotten in my twenties and what it took for me to get grounded and to be reconnected to my source. And I take the reader through a very simple exercise to identify where they're at and maybe where they're struggling and, and how they can find that life mission and get connected. And then from that life mission, we have just some incredible other principles and things that, you know, we can talk about today or later, but, uh, but it starts with that life mission, knowing why you're here so that you can determine where you're going. Most people have no idea where they're going because they don't know why they're here. And so they're, they're asking the wrong question. They say, well, uh, how, how do I, how do I do this? I'm like, well, do you even want that? And if so, why? Most clients that come to me, they don't even know what they want. So what we do is we go all the way back to that life mission before we ever determine the goals or the the how to achieve those goals. Yeah, that's so true. A lot of people don't start with with that. They there's there's surface level desires that people want, like I want the car, I want the money, I want this, you know. But, but there's not a lot of like what what is the what is the purpose exactly. So how how uh, so what does everybody have a life mission? Is is there is there is there some way that people should dig into that? What what um, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, everybody has a life mission, and here's how you dig into it. I had the opportunity at that same event where I was in Southern Utah, Zion National Park. It was a life transformation retreat with a good friend and mentor of mine, Kevin Hall, mm-hmm. and he brought Chad Hymas. And Chad Hymas is in the National Speaker Association Hall of Fame. He has been dubbed mm-hmm. one of the top 10 most influential speakers of all time. And Chad Hymas is a quadriplegic. And I'm getting to see him in an intimate group of about 60 people. Normally, you know, he speaks in front of thousands. He is the right. go-to guy for the Dallas Mavericks. Like, mm-hmm. if they want to bring someone in, they bring in Chad Hymas. So Chad is in his wheelchair, and he's uh, right across a six-foot round table from me. And he's given this speech. And can I be honest and vulnerable, Adam? I was yes. like super leery. I'm like top 10, right? Hall of Fame. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, what, what is he going to say that I haven't already heard? That was me, right. like very judgmental. And I don't know what in the heck he talked about for that entire speech. But at one moment, he looked me in the eyes and he said, don't know what your purpose and passion is. Go serve someone. Sonic boom. Hmm. Like it felt like he had reached into my heartstrings and just tugged and it it pulled at my soul in a way that I was not expecting. And I recognized that I needed to go out and serve. And in that selflessness, right? I think, you know, Jesus and other people have said, if if you want to find yourself, lose yourself. Right. That's how you find yourself. Because when you are doing something outside of yourself, you're going to find that passion and that purpose and the way that you were meant to serve humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most people are looking inside, but we have to go outside in nature, mm-hmm. right? Like I did. We have to go outside of ourselves to go inside and find out where that is. So my challenge, and I share this in the book, is if you're struggling with that life mission, go serve someone. And you're going to find out exactly why you're here and what you were meant to do. And then the how always figures itself out once you've got those two things. Yeah. So that, and that's, that's powerful because uh, it, it's, it starts with that. And it's, a, it's another consistent message I hear throughout many of these interviews is that, you know, service is that, is that, is that, le- is mm-hmm. that lead to fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And I guess the question becomes, how do you start? How do you know where to start? Uh, you know, is, you know, if you if you're going to serve, is it is it going to a soup kitchen? Is it inviting, or or is it is it just talking to somebody who might be struggling? How how do we know how to start? Well, you open your eyes, mm-hmm. and, and you look around, and if you look wherever you're at, starting in your workplace, starting in your family, starting in your in your friend group, starting in your community, in your neighborhood. I just have to look across the street to recognize that my daughter can go spend a couple afternoons a week because we homeschool our kids hanging out with our elderly neighbor who's starting dementia and her husband is kind of getting annoyed by her and my Mm -hmm. daughter doesn't because she thinks it's funny. 
So my daughter gets to go and spend, you know, a couple afternoons every week hanging out with, you know, Marianne because she loves my daughter and they do whatever they want to do together. So you don't have to go far. Just open your eyes and look around. There are opportunities to serve in every situation that you're in. And it may be as simple as you recognizing that if you can just smile and forget yourself for a moment and acknowledge the humans around you without doing anything, <laughs> then you're getting outside of yourself already. So it doesn't even have to be a, a, a big thing, a big act of, of service to start. It just, it is just, you know, take that baby step. And then it, that's it. And, and it could be yeah. a simple question at the beginning of the day, whether it's a question, mm-hmm. you know, to yourself or if it's a prayer, like who, who can I serve today? And you have a thing in your brain called your RAS, R-A-S, reticular activating system. And what mm-hmm. happens with the RAS is once you plant an idea, it will go to work to find an answer and to make it happen. And so when you start with that intentionality in the day of who can I serve today, the universe is going to send opportunity. You're going to see things that you'd never seen before because you simply asked that question. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. So, we, um, so and, and what are some of the pitfalls that we might run into if, if we're, if we're not careful, like for instance, like, is it our ego? Do we, do we, do we fall into the trap of, of not doing that because our ego gets in the way? What, what do you think some of those pitfalls might be that we need to look out for? Definitely. And I, I love talking about the ego. I share some neat things about how we can drop that false identity. That's what ego is. It's not Mm -hmm. Letterman's jacket. I'm better than you get out of my way, punk ego. It's, it's, false identity. And when you start to serve others and get outside yourself, that ego starts to die and it will throw the biggest tantrum more so than any toddler or teenager you've ever seen, because it recognizes that you're now living into a higher version of who you were meant to be. And so you're going to get all kinds of resistance from internal, like internal resistance. And you're going to get all kinds of like thoughts that go through your mind. Like, like, who do you think you are? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's because that ego is dying. And so, yes, that, that resistance will come. And that resistance, Adam, is confirmation that you are headed in the right direction. If there is no resistance, there's no obstacles, then you're staying in your zone of comfort and no one, including yourself, is growing. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's huge. So it's, it's, this, this is one of the most important things I think we've, we, we, we can discuss here because, sure. you know, the service over self or service, mm-hmm. the, the, the idea of serving others, I mean, it, it, it ultimately, it sounds like that is everybody's life mission, at least at the surface level. We can dig deeper. So if we assign anybody a mission in life, it's like, okay, go out and serve because once we're serving each other, you know, we're building each other up. And, you know, we're able to dig a little deeper and find out how, how best we can do that. And, and yeah, I can't say how often I, and frequently I hear this, that, that service to others helps us to become fulfilled, helps us to rise above maybe our own sadness or, or anxieties or fears and things of like, like that. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's hugely powerful and hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it, and, uh, as far as how it relates to courage, because I know the second part of you know mm-hmm. your book and and some of your message relates to you know finding that courage. What um, what does that mean to you? What does courage mean to you? Well, it starts with some etymology, right? Mm-hmm. Etymology is the study of words, and I'm a word nerd. Uh, I speak a few different languages, and I just I love d- diving into words. They carry so much meaning. The word courage comes from the French word cur, and cur mm-hmm. means heart. And courage is found when we are leaning into the things that our heart is calling us toward, never letting our mind talk us out of something that our heart knows to be true. And when our heart is all in on something and we are 100% committed with (laughs) full conviction, then it doesn't matter what's happening around us. In fact, these things aren't happening to us anymore. They are happening for us. They are strengthening our courage, just like that oak. And those winds are building a stress wood that wouldn't be possible without the turbulence. In fact, if a tree doesn't have wind, it will die. And if a person doesn't have opposition, it will also sit around in a lazy way, 
and just die on the couch. And so that courage is about heart. It's about conviction and commitment and knowing why you're doing what you're doing. And then there's no question about accountability and like, do we need to like have a plan? It's like, uh, no, we don't have a plan for this new baby. This new baby has to eat (laughs) and all mom gets to do is feed him. And that's it. Like she's all in. She's 100% committed to feeding this child and that's all it needs. And when you have that kind of commitment and conviction heart like she does with our little baby, then we don't need a, a plan. Like we're all in. Let's go. So the plan isn't to have all of the other kids watch the the new baby and you guys go out and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> so I thought that was the point of mostly kids. We're yeah, getting right. there. <laughs> yes, we're getting there. <laughs> no, nice. I, I, I kid. I, I know. But that, that also kind of leads into the next topic of of you know parenthood i mean because we you know when we have little little ones you know when mm-hmm. we have uh, uh little human beings running around our homes uh you know they're developing their identities they're developing their 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 world around you and it and it invokes a new level of fear in us as parents how do we manage that fear and and how how do we uh how do we effectively raise these kids into more courageous more service oriented oriented adults Oh man, we're going to go deep. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I brought three children into our marriage. My wife Mm -hmm. brought two and then we, we had this great idea of having one more to bring them together. So now we have, we have six. And then someone says to us, you know, that child is going to be kind of like different than all the others. Um, so we had this idea of, well, maybe they should have a buddy, you know, a sibling that they share the same mom and dad. So Mm -hmm. now we have seven. So child number six is named Jacob and Jacob is five years old. And I wasn't one of these parents that wanted to throw my baby into the pool and watch him swim. I kind of think that those YouTube videos are cool, but they're crazy at the same time. Uh, My wife has some some trauma around water in her family. and, And somehow she decided that we should live in a home with a pool. So Jacob, five years old now, from the time he was a baby and he could walk, I would let him jump into the water, go down for, and I'd count to three, one, two, three. I'd grab him and bring him back up. Mm-hmm. And we would just do that over and over and over again. And I told my wife, listen, I will, if you teach them to read, I'll teach them how to do just about everything else, swim, bike, like all the <laughs> things that I love. Cause she doesn't care about those things. So I, there was never a thought, ever a thought planted in his mind that he couldn't. And now that translates to the bike park. We're at the bike park the other day and he's four, five years old and he's on this tiny little bike and most kids are still on train wheels and he's going off these huge rolling jumps and people are looking at him and I'm afraid for him because I know eventually he's going to break an arm, but he doesn't have that thought. Yeah. There was never the seed of doubt planted that would create because that's what fear is. Fear is an emotion that comes because of hormones and chemicals that are released When the brain through your unconscious mind has that thought. And if we can Mm -hmm. prevent the planting of the thoughts of doubts and fears into our children, then they can just play all out, whether it's in the swimming pool or on the, at the bike park or wherever they show up. And so this kid, you'll, someday you might meet him, Adam. You're going to say, then this kid, people will make fun of and he'll get harassed as he has so much confidence and people will say he's cocky. But the difference between that kid and me is he won't be standing on the toilet seat in the bathroom his freshman year of high school crying because he doesn't have the confidence and courage to stand up for what's right. Mm-hmm. So that, that confidence is going to come from really that, that parenting of, of, how, of how, you're teaching, mm-hmm. how you're teaching them to really just uh, not not have that fear in necessarily. Is that, am I understanding that right? I'm going to do everything I can to not plant those fears. Cause that's what we do as parents. We project, yeah. we project right. our own fears onto them. And, and then I also recognize that other people are going to be doing this. So we don't have a hundred percent control because they're around people in society and schools and teams. And so then what we do is when they come to us sharing some of those doubts and concerns that they bring from others, we ask this simple question, and I share this in the book, Adam. This might change everything for your listeners. And maybe you've heard it before, maybe you haven't. The question is, is that true? Mm. And, and we, will, we will fight, we will negotiate to hold on to that 
that false belief, that fear. And then the follow-up question is, okay, is it 100% true? Well, it's not 100% mm-hmm. true. Great. So if it's not 100% true, then what is it? Yeah. It's a lie. That, that's such an important distinction too, because you know when, when it comes to mindset and like mindfulness, people talk about mindfulness, it's a buzzword, but really sure. what it is, is you know, we're, we're getting ourselves present. We're trying mm-hmm. to recognize really what the truth is. Exactly. And that's really awareness and curiosity. And that, that asking of the question is, is it true? Is, is those are the most powerful three words, really? That's the most powerful three word question you could ask because getting to the root of that and doing so honestly and vulnerability is so important. And I love that idea of, of don't plant fears into our kids. Um, because really, I mean, fear, fear is an inevitable part of being human. We're going to have them. Um, and getting like outside influenced of, of, of fear of where that should come from is, especially from our parents, of something so influential. Yeah, that's a, you know that's a that's a big source, and it's hard not to do when we care so much about these kids. We you know we tend to like you know maybe shelter them a bit too much, maybe keep them away from things that might uh, uh, you know might otherwise empower them. Um, so yeah, how how uh, and I was actually I was I was also kind of tuned into to your, your, uh, story about having those, uh, you know, bringing the, the kids from out from other marriages into this new mm-hmm. marriage and then having one new kid together. Um, because I'm the product of, of that marriage as well. I was an only child, okay. but I had yes. siblings on both from my parents, both, both of their marriages. Nice. So it's, uh, nice that you're having another uh, friend for them. That's <laughs> for, right. For they, they, share, they share the <laughs> same DNA. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, would love to hear, um, kind of some of your daily habits. Like what, what do you do to set yourself up for the day? How do you stay in the zone of, of wanting to be in service? What do you, how do you start your day? I start my day by ending my day and mm. you're only as good as your last, right? That the last performance. And so I end my day in gratitude And I also end my day thinking, what do I want to share in the morning? And this is a new habit. My morning routine changes all the time. So what I do is I I pull up Facebook and I think about a message that I want to share with the world in the morning and I type it out. So when Mm -hmm. my alarm goes off, guess what the first thing I do is, Adam? You now know my trick. I, 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 I post it. So I start my day in service. I'm laying there in bed thinking about what I want to share with what I could give. And then I post that first post in the morning. And then, and then there's, there's a prayer of gratitude, just like I ended my, my, my day or mm-hmm. from the night before. And then there's a lot of other things I can share with you uh, that happened from that point. But this has been a new one that's invigorated me that I have just loved. Yeah. So, so posting something uh, powerful on Facebook and, uh, and gratitude, just gra- gratitude prayer. Yeah. Very, very, very powerful. I, I do something similar and I, I love I love that the Facebook idea of, of like putting something positive into the world because for about seven years or eight years, I've been doing a pun a day. So I do, I do puns like stupid jokes yeah. and people hate me for it, but I love it because it just puts something positive out there yeah. makes people groan. So it's good. It's good to do that kind of service element. Um, and, uh, uh, and the gratitude, what kind of, what kind of gratitude are you, or, or what are, what are you grateful for in the yeah. mornings well, usually? This is what helped ground me. And gratitude is grounding. And I created as a companion to the book, it's called the Oak and Willow Gratitude Journal. Oh, nice. And it's a very simple daily practice to ground yourself in courage and compassion. And Mm -hmm. it's it's a simple way to write out five things you're grateful for, which I did when I was in my parents' basement, and then why you're grateful for each. And then going a little bit deeper, who could you share one of these gratitudes with? Like someone that you're grateful for that's connected to this. And then the yeah. last step of the four, I call it the four steps of applied gratitude is honoring the divinity that gave me this gift with a short and sweet prayer of thanks or a moment of meditation. You didn't create yourself. So either it was a creator, God, or it was the universe and just giving that gratitude back. And, and that practice can be done in a matter of three to four minutes. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do and what I invite you know my tribe and my clients to do as well. And when you start your day in that way, then you're grounded to your source and you can then go out and your unconscious mind 
right? With that RAS, reticular activating system, is searching for more things to be grateful for. And then we're manifesting more. Now we're creating rather than consuming. And if the mm-hmm. first thing that you're doing is reading what other people are posting on social media, then you're a consumer. And I, I don't follow like hardly anyone because I want to be a producer. And if you're not in the world that I'm in, which is writing and speaking and coaching, then then just stay off of it. If you don't have something to share, that's okay, right? That's right. not for everyone. It's just for me. But you can start with that gratitude and ask your question, the question, what am I producing today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And and one of the and I hope everybody heard this part, which was I start my day by ending my day. Yeah. Because I, I don't know about you all, but when I wake up in the morning or when you wake up in the morning, um, your day tends to start with the attitude that you went to sleep with. And if I'm watching something like a true crime something or whatever <laughs> on television and it's in my head, I tend to wake up not not in the greatest of moods. But if I'm doing the five-minute journal or I'm I'm talking about my day or ending it in some kind of prayer or or and and uh, and really maybe reading something that's that's more powerful or or a work of fiction or something that's getting my brain to work I wake up happier that's and cool. you know yeah you, you can and it takes discipline as as with anything because if you wake up and you're just not feeling it but you still practice that gratitude you know you're you're just building the muscle so thank you for sharing that part um and if you, uh, if, if, and, and yeah, you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, regarding being in your parents' basement, I think at the age of 28, yeah, right. Um, what's, uh, that, you know, we, we, we all tend to go through multiple periods in our lives of ups and downs and things like that. What, um, what, what got you out of that, uh, that part of your life? How did you rise up out of it? And, and what, um, um, what was the trigger for it? Mm-hmm. It was my environment. It was the people that I was I just like, just angels, just people that I leaned into and I accepted help from. And they were family members. They were new friends. They were people at church. They were people in my workplace. And I just began relying on and asking and receiving help from other people because yeah. I recognized that I could not do it alone. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because, you know, while we might be, well, while the important message that we're getting from this interview too is, is to be in service. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need to, we, we are the people that, that need that help. We do. And we need to, we need to be able to lean into it when we can lean into that help like you did. Um, it, uh, it, it, it puts us in a better position to serve over the long term. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate the vulnerability there. And if you could, if you could, give a message to with the person you are now, if you could share something with, you know, the 13 year or 14 year old boy who is, mm-hmm. you know, standing in the bathroom on the toilet seat or, you know, your 28 year, year old self, um, I'll let you choose one, which, uh, what would you say to that person? I would say the thoughts that you have right now and the emotions that accompany those thoughts are not who you are. Mm-hmm. You are more than those thoughts. Those thoughts are electrons, right? That are wiring and firing together, creating neuro, you know, these neurology, right? These, this, right. it's, it's just, it's not who you are and those chemicals and you're not your body, right? If we go to a quantum physics standpoint, 99.99999% of who you are is empty space that quantum physicists are calling condensed light, which I call spirit. What you mm-hmm. see in the mirror and what's going through on your head, that's not you. Yeah. And and I would yeah. I would pour into him and I would show him like that great mentor did to me who he was going to become and what I saw in him. And I'm grateful that I had that mentor do that for me at the age of 14 and 28 and I continue to find people that will do that for me because even I forget. Mm-hmm. I get stuck in that that old ego and those old patterns and I need someone to help me interrupt that pattern. Just yeah. like I do for others. Yeah, it's it's so so easy to get trapped in that pattern, but that's so powerful, and um, and I know that that can resonate with a lot of people. Whether if if you're feeling that way, and if you're listening, and you're feeling that you know that that sense of of you know where your thoughts are telling you something that aren't that isn't true, ask yourself: Is this true? Mm-hmm. And um, and remember that there there are people, there is a community out there, there are mentors like Andrew that can help you. And uh, Andrew, where can people reach out to you and find you? 
Yes. Uh, let me give you three easy ways. The first yeah. is Amazon. You can find the book, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow. Uh, the second is my website, andrewlanderson.com. Anderson is spelled O-N. And then the third is on social media at andrewlanderson85. I'm live uh, every day and I'm sharing and producing and serving. Um, and then the the last way, this is the bonus way. I said three, but the bonus way is I, I'd like to give a gift to your listeners, Adam, if that's okay with you. And yeah. if they want to send an email, and you can put this in, in the notes that to Andrew at andrewlanderson.com. It's my email. If they send that email to andrew at andrewlanderson.com and just put Adam offer, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not giving this to everyone today, but if they write Adam offer, then we're going to send them the first 30 minute recording of the book or they can get the, you know, the, the PDF version. And I want them to, to just have a taste. And when you hear the story and you were able to read that, um, if you want more, you can go get it. But I want to give them that that gift, if that's okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you for offering that up. And uh, to the listeners out there, please take them up on that. Um, because this this was a very powerful interview that that gave a lot of action actionable items on what we can do to find our life's mission, to you know bring greater peace and joy to our lives and to find the communities that'll best that we can best uh, uh, be of service and get the service that we need. Um, so reach out to Andrew, Andrew at andrewlanderson.com and type in Adam Offer and uh, and Andrew will get that to you. And uh, also check him out on, on his website, buy the book, uh, Strength, of the, uh, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow on Amazon. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for being here, man. This was a great conversation. I appreciate it. Well, you're a great conversationalist. It's, uh, it's an Thanks, honor sir. to be with you and with your tribe. Thank you. And to everyone else out there, thank you so much for joining us today. Look forward to catching you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Flow Over Fear podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. I will be so grateful if you do. And I'll look forward to bringing you more value in our next episode. I'll see you then.